L. Frank Baum, of course, created the wonderful land of Oz, but then he went on to imagine other fantastical kingdoms adjacent to Oz, including Maryland, M-E-R-R-Y, Maryland, which consists of seven valleys, the last and least visited of which is called the Valley of Lost Things. The floor of the Valley of Lost Things is covered with coins and pins and buttons and caps and overcoats. Luke chapter 15 is the Bible's Valley of Lost Things. Jesus tells three consecutive linked parables about lost things, including this first one from verses 1 through 7. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one, won't leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness to go find the lost lamb? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found that which was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 people who have no need of repentance. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. At the height of the opioid epidemic in Appalachia 15 years ago, drug overdoses, prescription drug overdoses, killed more people in the state of Ohio than traffic accidents. In one small town in Scioto County in Appalachia, 24 young people died in the space of about two years. OxyContin, of course, was the drug of choice. At dusk one evening, in the flickering light of a silent television, Judy Mannering found her 29-year-old daughter, Nina, dead in her own home, murdered by an addict looking for pills. Nina's eight-year-old daughter witnessed this happen. I miss her so much, says Mrs. Mannering. Even if you have a hundred children, you'll never replace the one you lost. Now maybe Jesus' little story about a shepherd with 100 sheep was the quiet tape playing in the background subconsciously of that grieving mother's mind. Now, I don't know much about shepherding, but it sounds to me like if you come home with 99 out of 100, you're doing pretty well, right? A loss prevention manager at a Walmart warehouse or a shoplifting detective at a Costco retail floor would get a huge bonus if at the end of the fiscal year he suffered, his store just suffered 1% losses from shoplifting or from forklift spearing damages. According to Jesus, however, God cares as much for that single lost lamb as God cares for the 99 who are safely home. According to Jesus, God's motto is the same as Judy Mannering's. Even if you have a hundred children, you can't replace the one you've lost. In the 15th chapter of the third gospel, St. Luke gives us three consecutive linked parables by Jesus with a common thing, theme. They're all about lost things, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and two lost sons. Bible scholars sometimes refer to Luke chapter 15 as the...
gospel within the gospel. And I love that way of thinking about it. The gospel within the gospel. Because Luke chapter 15 is the terse precis, the concise abstract for the entire sprawling dissertation the Bible will eventually turn out to be from Genesis to Revelation. That's what the Bible keeps wanting to say. If you are lost, God wants to find you. Now, why does Jesus tell these three parables, making the same point, three parables in Luke chapter 15? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's because the smug Pharisees have been rudely and aggressively complaining about him in his presence. I'm right here, says Jesus. You're not exactly whispering. I can hear you. This fellow welcomes sinners, they whine. This fellow eats with tax collectors, the scum of the earth. He has no scruples whatsoever. He can't tell the difference between Pope Francis and Vladimir Putin. So, Jesus tells this parable. Which one of you, he asks, which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one won't leave the ninety and nine out in the wilderness to find that single lost lamb? So, did you notice the difference in the respective vocabularies the Pharisees and Jesus used about the tax collectors, the wayward, the endangered? To the Pharisees, they are sinners. They are bad. To Jesus, they are just lost. They're not bad, he says. They've just wandered off. To Jesus, we're not bad. We're just lost. We may practice Elizabeth Holmes' mendacity, and Sam Bankman Freed's recklessness, and Gordon Gecko's greed, and Lothario's licentiousness, or Narcissus's self involvement, but we're never so lost that we can't be found. We're never so damned that we can't be saved. We're never so sick that we can't be made well. Are you lost? Have you lost your way midway the journey of life? Have you found yourself lost in a dark wood alone? There's someone trying to find you. God's love is so vast and so spacious and so relentless and so irrepressible and so infallible, I've no words to describe it. Only Jesus' linked troika of parables comes close. God's love is needy and greedy and lonely and grasping. God will helicopter the desert looking for you. God will unleash whole kennels of German shepherds over the mountains to find you and battalions of eager volunteers to find its single lost treasure, that lamb. When he was 15 years old, Jeremy Crawford of Oregon discovered that he had Ewing's sarcoma. So to take his mind off the treatments, his mother, Lana, bought him a German Shepherd puppy. They called him Grizzly, and Grizzly would whimper constantly. At first you thought he was in some discomfort or had some anxiety, but it turns out he was just chattering away to himself or to anybody who would listen. Now for a while, it looked like Jeremy might win his battle against Ewing sarcoma, but at the age of 17, he died in his mother's arms. And of course, his mother was just undone by his death. That long and difficult illness had strained her marriage until it snapped. And now there she was, a single mother, if that's what you can call a woman who no longer has any children, 
No job. She could barely get out of bed. A couple times she thought she might take her own life. But then one day, Grizzly roots around in her closet and finds her sneaker and brings it to her. Then he finds the other one and brings that to her. She says, Grizzly, I can't. I just can't. But Grizzly tugs at her sleeve until she takes him for a walk. The next day, a longer walk. The next day, a longer walk. Longer and longer. Stronger and stronger. One day, Lana takes Grizzly for a walk in the park and she sees a tall, beautiful, blonde, 17-year-old tossing a football. He looks just like Jeremy. She thinks her heart might break for good, but she decides to do something about it. She enrolls in some, uh, some uh, psychology classes at the University of Utah. And one of the course requirements is that she do some volunteer work. She do some public service. So she takes Grizzly to the pediatric ward at the University Hospital. And they meet a young cystic fibrosis patient who's screaming bloody murder because of all the needles they're trying to stick into him. And Grizzly walks up to his bed, chattering away with his muffled woofs. And the boy stops thinking about the needles and he says, can I take him for a walk? Sure, says the nurse. I'll push the IV pole. And Lana takes Grizzly to a home for emotionally disturbed children where they meet a girl named Tammy. By the age of 11, Tammy has been through 14 foster homes and orphanages. She keeps fighting with the other children. Grizzly walks into her room, whimpering away, chattering away. She won't look at him. So he walks into the, into the hallway, and Tammy is twisting the legs and arms off a doll, and she says, what's he doing? Talking, they tell her. So Tammy follows Grizzly into the hallway and starts talking to him. I'm scared, she says. Nobody wants me. One day, Lana notices that Grizzly's eyes aren't focusing, so she takes him to the veterinarian who tells her that Grizzly has been blind for years. He sees with his heart, not with his eyes, says the vet. Well, as you might imagine, a dog as magical as Grizzly is much in demand. Pretty soon he can't handle it, so Lana starts an organization for the training of therapy dogs. Three years later, there are 91 dogs, three cats, one rabbit, and 80 human handlers. I'll bet you can guess what they call this organization, right? Yes, the Good Shepherd association because grizzly is a german shepherd and a good shepherd always looks for the lost well that's just the humblest little symbol earthly emblem the vaguest hint of god's vast irrepressible spacious searching 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 love who will simply never give up until that single lost lamb rejoins the herd of exactly 100. That perfect, round, symmetrical, complete number. And what happens at the end of the day when the shepherd comes home with that lamb slung across his shoulder? There's this gigantic party erupting in heaven because, thanks God, even if you have 100 children, You'll never replace the one you lost. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.